Merry Christmas, friend. I am so proud of you for listening to this podcast today. As you are making an intentional choice to fix your heart on Jesus, the one we are supposed to be celebrating this time of year. My hope and prayer is that this would be an encouragement to you and remind you that Jesus came for all, but he also came just for you. Help me spread this message by sharing it with your friends and family on social media, and also by clicking the button to text this episode to them. We both know we could all use something that would help us focus more on celebrating that Jesus came instead of getting caught up in the crazy of this time of year. This Advent study is brought to you by Online Women's Bible Study and Online Women's Retreat. If you are looking to grow in God's Word and community, you get a week free to try out being a member at OnlineWomensBibleStudy.com. This is the perfect time to join because we are doing some special things for Advent, including giving the PDF version of this study away to our members. Finally, this January is the next online women's retreat, and you do not want to miss out on this. Go to onlinewomensretreat.com to grab a spot if you want 2022 to be the year you found some serious freedom in Jesus, identified your purpose, and chased hard after His call for your life. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a single episode. Now let's get started with focusing our hearts and minds on the one who came for all. Day two, prophecies by Sharon Miller. Talk to God, praise, repent, ask, yield, then stop and listen. When I was a little girl, my family attended a traditional Presbyterian church in a towering Gothic sanctuary. The floor and ceiling were lined with stone, which amplified a thunderous choir. Light streamed through stained glass windows and danced across pews while we stood up and sat down and stood up and sat down, reciting the church's liturgy. As a child, there was a lot I didn't yet understand about church. I didn't understand what we were reading. I didn't understand what we were singing. I didn't understand the robes or the rhythms, and I certainly didn't understand Advent. One December morning, I remember standing on a stool behind a large mahogany pulpit, reading a passage from the Old Testament. I stretched my body to peer over the top while my lips fumbled through the shape of words like Bethlehem Epaphrath. As a 10-year-old, I stared out at the congregation and wondered, what does any of this have to do with baby Jesus? Question, do you have a similar childhood memories described below? What I didn't understand at the time is that Old Testament prophecies are a central part of the Christmas story. Jesus fulfilled over 300 Old Testament prophecies, and they teach us a great deal about who he was and why he came. They also point to the unity of Scripture— that there is no Old Testament God or New Testament God, but one God who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. What is especially remarkable about the Old Testament prophecies is how early they appear. The first prophecy of Jesus shows up in the first pages of the Bible, Genesis 3. This chapter contains a prophecy known as Proto-Evangelion, or Original Gospel, because it is the very first hint of God's rescue plan for the world. We find it in verse 15, where God addresses the serpent, condemning him. Write down Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. It would be easy to read the statement as a blanket rejection of snakes, because who likes snakes? But God had a larger vision in view. 
The offspring is a reference to Adam and Eve's descendants, and one descendant in particular, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the offspring who will crush the serpent's head once and for all. Until that day, Satan will indeed get some bites. He will strike our heels with pain, suffering, sin, and shame. But these are merely flesh wounds with no lasting power. They will not change the end of the story. It is breathtaking to consider what it means. Thousands of years before Jesus' birth, God was already pointing to his coming. As soon as our relationship with God was broken, he was already orchestrating its healing. This passage is the first glimpse of that good news. In 2005, a contemplative nun named Sister Grace Remington drew an image of this prophecy. She titled it, Virgin Mary Consoles Eve. In it, a downcast Eve faces a pregnant Mary. Her shoulders hunched over in shame. Around Eve's leg is wrapped a serpent. Her right hand clutches an apple while its left rests on Mary's swollen belly. Mary, in turn, looks tenderly at Eve, her hand touching Eve's distressed cheek under Mary's foot, the head of the serpent. This image is a picture of the prophecy and its fulfillment, but it captures something grander as well, an arc of human history. It depicts God's redemptive master plan and our own role in that plan. Each of us is Eve. Each of us is Mary. Each of us is condemned and each of us is redeemed. Each of us is defeated and each of us has overcome. We are bitten but not destroyed. This image is a picture of the prophecy and its fulfillment, but it captures something grander as well. The arc of human history. It depicts God's redemptive master plan and our own role in that plan. Each of us is Eve and each of us is Mary. Each of us is condemned and each of us is redeemed. Each of us is defeated and each of us has overcome. We are bitten, but not destroyed. In that sense, this prophecy is not simply about Jesus, but also about us who trust in him. The God who has a rescue plan is still rescuing us today. The God who fulfilled his promises is still trustworthy today. That is why the Old Testament prophecies matter. Not only do they validate the significance of Jesus' birth, but they tell a bigger story. Since the beginning of time, God has had this whole thing in the works, and we are part of it. Genesis 3 is only the first of many prophecies. Read Isaiah 9, 6-7, and write down below the names Jesus has given. Isaiah 9, 6-7 For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be, shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And on the of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. How incredible it is to think approximately 700 years prior to our Savior's birth, the glory of Jesus was already on display. The character, humanity, and deity, everlastingness, authority, and provision of our coming king was already talked about in homes and on the road generation after generation. As objects of God's redemptive love, let's keep the momentum going by telling others about his saving grace. Doer of the word, how can you apply what you have learned from the Lord today?
I hope that was encouraging to you. Remember that Jesus came for all, but he also came just for you. It would be so helpful if you would leave a review of this show, plus share this with your friends and family. We want to encourage as many people as we can with this free Advent study. As a reminder, if you are looking to grow in God's word and community, you get a week free to try out being a member at onlinewomensbiblestudy.com. Finally, this January is the next online women's retreat, and you do not want to miss out on this. Go to onlinewomensretreat.com to grab a spot if you want 2022 to be the year you found some serious freedom in Jesus, identified your purpose, and chased hard after his call for your life. I'll see you next time, friend. Bye.